Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on autism, Answers. And I am Lynette Louise, your story teacher host. I boldly go where no host has gone before, and I move beyond awareness in autism and try to find actual answers. Today is my Christmas show, or Hanukkah show, or holiday show. Don't want to offend anybody. It's the show that celebrates the season. And in order to set up for that, I was trying to think, what do I want to share? And I thought that the most important thing would be, let it go, let it go, let it go. So that's what I'm calling today's episode, Let It Go. Let go of expecting my guest to talk about autism, because my guest will not. However, my guest will bring to you a very inspirational story about why you should always be ready to give letting it go a chance. All right, and remember to stay tuned after my guest for the OK, OK, great guest giveaway. And of course, as always, at the very end of the show, the most important stories from the road. Without any further ado, I'm going to introduce you to somebody very, very special. This is David from Uganda. Hello, David. Hello. Hi, good. It's good. I thought I lost you. <laughs> I'm no, like, I'm oh, right. I said you. <laughs> I'm here. Okay. Good, good. Yeah. Okay, so this is David from Uganda. He's got a beautiful British accent. So oh. <laughs> tune your ears up so that you can follow everything he says. I'm going to try to be a little bit African and American. I'm going to mix in. Oh my goodness, we'll never be. <laughs> we'll be like, our poor ears are going to be going from one extreme to the other. No, do whatever makes you comfortable, David. All right. I, um, I really, really appreciate you being willing to share your story. I think that this is the perfect time for people to sort of realize, you know, all of my audience is so used to trying to solve the problems of their lives that sometimes they get so deep into their lives that they forget about the world outside. No. So that's your purpose today. You're going to remind us that there's a bigger world out there. Everything's not about autism. There's all kinds of tragedies, and often those tragedies lead to beautiful things. So, <laughs> yes. Yes. So let's begin with your story. Tell me about your childhood. Um, okay. Um, I was born, actually, in the family of... Uh, Mom, dad, um, me, David, then my brother and my sister. Um, I was the firstborn. My family was not a rich family when I was born. I was born in a poor family. My dad, um, this, is, this is something that I never told Lynette about, but actually my mom was uh, very, very older than my dad. My dad was, you know, just a student. And then my mom uh, was a very much grown up lady. And so he actually pulled the first move on, on my dad. And, and, and so what <laughs> happened? <laughs> and so what happened was uh, the reason, okay, the offspring of that and result was David being born. And, 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 and when dad was a student and he had no money and, and all of that. And um, as I went on growing, we, you know, we, we, we got new people in our family. We got uh, my brother and my sister. Then HIV AIDS came into our family and, and my mom passed away first. 
when I was How a kid. How old were you, David, when your mom passed away? I can't, I can't remember exactly how old I am, but I was a kid. Uh, I was barely seven years old. I wasn't even seven. Then uh, my, my, my mom passed away. And then later on, um, my dad got another woman um, as I was growing up. And uh, I believe that woman also died of AIDS in, you know, in later on, she passed away of AIDS. Between, but uh, in between there, my brother, um, my sister, my, my kid sister also um, got, was infected with HIV AIDS and she died at a very, very tender age. I think she was like two years old. And then she passed away of uh, HIV AIDS. And so what followed suit was my brother. He also died of AIDS. I used to look at my brother a lot. They used to take him to, to take him to the hospital. And uh, this was one of the best hospitals in Uganda, but it was uh, actually a government-owned hospital. So they used to bring us specialists from uh, UK, America, you know, to treat the kids who are infected with HIV AIDS. And so my brother could be taken there every like Wednesday to get treatment. And I didn't know what, what, exact, what, what exactly was happening to my brother. Um, I didn't know he had AIDS, but I could see him, you know, going to the hospital on daily routine and then coming back with this, these beautiful toys that were being given to him by, you know, these white doctors and nurses. And he was so excited. He was very happy, but, uh, he didn't know he had AIDS and I didn't know because I was also, you know, not young to understand what was taking place. But of course, later on, as I looked back and as I was told, um, he also died of AIDS. Um, my story is, I don't know how I survived AIDS, but I'm HIV negative because when I count, when I look back and count is, uh, HIV AIDS kills a person, um, between, I mean, from the time they get infected to six years, that's when they die. And, uh, I wasn't even seven years when, when my mother passed away. So that there, there are chances that she might have, you know, uh, gave birth to me when she had HIV. Um, and there are chances that she didn't have HIV by the time she gave birth to me. So I don't know how I survived it, but here I am, very negative. And, um, <laughs> very negative in a very positive way. I think yeah. you're, you're, you're just the most amazing person I think I've ever met. So here you are, you've got, your father died too, right? Yeah, yes, yes. My dad, yeah, my dad was the last to pass away. And how old were you at this point? Uh, 15. I think I was 15. Okay, so I you're 15, 15 years old. Yeah. The whole family's passed yeah. away from AIDS. At this point, do you know that there's um, AIDS is what's been killing everyone? I think, uh, at this point, when my dad passed away, when yeah. my dad dies? Yeah. Yes, by then I knew it was HIV because uh, because in a school... They had, you know, taught us about the symptoms and the signs of, of somebody who is infected with HIV. So I used to see my dad. I used to see his hair. Actually, the first thing that made me realize that my dad was going to die, that he had HIV AIDS, was his, was his hair. Um, His hair, you know, de- got, started, you know, developing a certain texture. And uh, at that time, I knew that my dad had got HIV AIDS. So that, that's something I've never heard of. So what kind of, what do you mean it developed a different texture? 
Um, you know, right now there's what they call ARVs. So ARVs, uh, those are antiretroviral drugs that are prolonged life uh, with people with HIV AIDS. So because those drugs, those drugs are available right now, there are symptoms that you will never see in anybody suffering with HIV AIDS. But by then they were not there. And your hair, if you had HIV AIDS, as a black person, your hair could, uh, I don't know, it, it starts, you know, breaking and, uh, and it loses color. Um, so that is the, that is how the hair loses text, you know, texture. And for me, that was the sign that my dad had HIV AIDS. And then when I saw that, I saw my dad's lifestyle change. Um, I saw him going to the hospital often, you know, for checkups. And, you know, the next thing I knew, he was taken away from me um, to be taken to the village, you know, to to die from there. So they took so away when, from me. When David yeah. says village, he means a country home. Yeah. So, David, when everyone was gone yeah. and your father had passed and yeah. your brother and your sister and your mother were gone, what happened for you then? Where did you live? Um, let me tell you something. Uh, in Africa, we have uh, what they call the traditional family. Um, this is, you know, oh, oh, sorry, sorry, the extended family. This includes, you know, your long distance relatives. So when my dad passed away, I stayed with my uncle, who was his brother. My dad left a very big business. It was a very big store um, in, in a city, and it used to make, you know, to make, I mean, some reasonable money by the time he died. So my my uncle took over, you know, took over the shop, and uh, he sold it off, and so he threw me to, you know, to the country, to the village. I call it the village. He threw me to the village, and 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 that's where... I suffered a lot after my dad passed away because uh, I had to go, you know, do the digging. I had never dug before. I had to go get the firewood. I was a kid. I couldn't carry these huge, you know, firewood logs on my head for cooking. I couldn't do that. It was a whole new life for me in the village. So that's that's uh, that's how I lived. So in the village, I lived with my grandmother who taught me a lot of, you know, essentials in life you know, how to work, and I learned how to cook from my grandmother. And well, that, That's beautiful. <laughs> I have to interrupt us for one second, David, and do yeah. what's called a recap. <laughs> right. So hello, you are listening. If you just started listening, you're listening to a new spin on autism answers. I am Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, and we are having a wonderful discussion on let it go, let it go, let it go. And remember to stay to the end of the show where we have OK, OK, the great guest giveaway. And of course, as always, stories from the road. David is from Uganda, and he's here talking to us about what it was like to live in a family where everyone passed away from HIV. And he was left. He was staying with his grandmother. And we're going to pick up the story at that point. But before we do, David, I wanted you to make a statement maybe to people to help them understand. Now, Uganda has a lot of HIV. Is this correct? Yes, exactly. Um, Uganda in the early, you know, in the mid 90s and early, sorry, in the mid 80s and the early 90s had uh, the highest HIV, you know, the the highest HIV rate infections in in Africa. Uh, That was uh, actually it was number two to South Africa. 
but then Uganda's story, actually that's the period, you know, when Uganda had a lot of HIV and AIDS, it was, I think, above, you know, like 40% of the population was infected. And that's when my parents and family passed away. Um, they fell victim of that during then. But Uganda is a true success story today that uh, it is the country that fought AIDS better than any other country in the whole world. Oh, and, uh, and, what, and how is that? How has it done that? I beg your pardon? How has it fought AIDS the best? What is your method in Uganda to clean up that problem? Uh, the president introduced uh, a new system called uh, ABC. ABC means uh, A stands for abstinence, then B, be faithful, and C, use a condom. And uh, that is a strategy that worked for Uganda to, to be a success story as it is today, because right now it's like 3% or, you know, infected with HIV, right up from 40% in the 90s. So it was just the ABC formula. And right now... You know, now, that's interesting, David. It's almost as if, as awful as this might sound, the, the problem of HIV led to something uh, more nurturing for relationships in your country. So it, it's it's interesting to try to find the silver lining in such a terrible disorder, but or disease. But um, it seems like that that might be the case. And in your story as well, can I jump you forward? Because I'm I realize I only have a certain amount of time. Okay, and there's fine. a beautiful part to your story that I really want you to share with people. It's fine, it's fine. Okay, so so I'm going to recap because I'll say it faster. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, so that you're there, you're there, everyone's died, you're living with your grandmother, at some point you live with your aunt. I want you to cut forward to when you were playing soccer, it was, right? I beg your pardon? I want you to move forward in your story to, I believe you were playing soccer or football? Yes, exactly. Can you start there with your story now? Okay, yeah, I left my grandmother, then uh, my auntie looked at me, my auntie came to see me at my grandmother, so she looked at me and she said, David, you're so handsome. You're a very cute boy. You can't live in the village. So she took me over to her place uh, in Kampala, the capital of Uganda. So I started living with her. And as I was living with her, I started playing soccer at, uh, you know, at a football, you know, field that was near the a church, which would be, you know, a life changing uh, ground for for my life. As I was playing soccer, um, I had people singing in a church, um, which was near. Uh, the field where I was playing soccer, and uh, they were singing this. They were singing this song called uh, "The Storm Is Over" by R. Kelly. So I had never, you know, seen people sing that beautiful, you know. So I decided to go at that church and just hear those people singing. So I left my soccer and I went to the church to just hear those people singing "The Storm Is Over." So I went, I went up there to the church and I had these people singing. And one of the guys in the choir told me, do you want to sing? I said, yes, I want to. I would want to. And he told me, it's okay. Come and join us. So a few you know, weeks from then, from that day, I joined them and I started singing with them. And that is when um, the opportunity to, to learn television and, and camera came up to me. Because uh, by that time when I joined the choir, I was the youngest in that choir, and so the pastor recognized me uh, easily. And so he called upon me. He had just brought in new equipment, new, you know, cameras. And so he called upon me to, you know, to learn how to do that work. 
Now, you said something when you were telling me this story that made me want to have you as a guest that I think um, is very applicable to people around the world dealing with challenges, especially my audience. So I'm going to plant us there. You said something about how you believed that the real one of the greatest gifts that you were given in, during this period was that your pastor let you guys learn, even though everyone was saying get professionals. I want you yes. to tell that part. Yes, exactly. So um, the pastor brought in, you know, TV equipment, and uh, we had no experience to use that equipment. I mean, this is equipment that was brought in from America. It's uh, it's uh, costs thousands and thousands of dollars. You can't just put it in the hands, you know, of amateurs who don't know what to do. Okay, tell them how, for example, the camera I saw you holding in that picture. How much does that cost? Um, that camera costs twenty thousand dollars. Okay, so now people have a perspective of how many thousands we're talking because it's yes. lots of equipment. Okay. <laughs> Yes. Now that camera costs $20,000. And then we have, uh, and then he brought a very, you know, long, huge, you know, these crane cameras, you know, we are the only, we are, let me tell you something. We're the only people in East Africa who have a crane camera in the whole of East Africa, five countries. We, we are the only people. We have the Jimmy Jib. Nobody has it in East Africa and he let us use it. And your Without, church has like what ten thousand people fit in there? Uh ten thousand five hundred people, Sita. Our church. Okay, so I just want people to get a sense of how enormous this was when he was just letting you guys learn. This is huge. Yes, exactly. So um he brought him this equipment. He said, David, you're in charge of this camera. And then, you know, he told other people, for example, I have a friend called Eddie. He said, Eddie, you're gonna do the Jimmy Jib. And none of us knew how to use these cameras. And then everybody, and then everybody told him, you're going to mess up your equipment. You can't put your equipment in the hands of amateurs. These boys have to learn fast. They've never done this before. You're messing up. You're going to lose money. And he said, no. He said, I believe in these boys. These boys are going to learn. So he let us use the equipment without any knowledge of it. I mean, That's he fought all, you know. He fought everyone to give he you. He fought everyone who was coming, yeah, who was, you know, giving him, you know, advice that don't use those boys. They are too young. They don't know anything. Now he did support your learning and guide you by having people come and help, right? Yes, exactly. Uh he's been bringing a lot of people from, uh, preferably from America. Uh one time we had guys from CNN who came and trained us. So he always brings in people to train us and to make us professional at what we do. Okay, so what's so exciting for me about this story is I think that your pastor is modeling something that I think makes a difference in people's lives, which is trust and guide. Don't, mm-hmm. you know, don't force or control or refuse to let someone learn, but trust and guide. I, I like to say that you don't learn from mistakes, but you yeah. learn from correcting mistakes. So you need the opportunity um, and he, that, I, I, I want to meet your pastor when I come to Uganda. I'm very, I'm so impressed by him. So okay. we have to wrap up the story. I want you to tell people where you're at now, um, your TV show, your channel, that sort of thing, and your age. Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh, right now, what I do right now is uh, I'm a productions manager of, of our TV station in Uganda. 
and I'm 24 years old. Right now, as I speak, I'm, uh, I'm in Los Angeles. Um, I came to attend a training, a, a video workshop in Los Angeles. And for me, this is a big thing. You know, when you look where I've come from, what I've, you know, what I went through in life, I, I never, I never told Mom Lynette about this. Um, there's a point in time when my dad had just passed away. I didn't have no shoes to put on, you know, going to school. I had to go barefooted. But then my my grandmother looked into my dad's clothes when he had passed away and he saw shoes that belonged to my dad. So he got those shoes. I was very, very young. They couldn't fit me. They were too big. And he said, David, you have to put on these shoes. You're not going to walk barefooted. So I put on these big shoes. And whenever I could walk to school, I could just crawl them down, you know, crawling them down. And and they used and they used to diss me you know my friends used to diss me that when david is coming you know to school you you just hear him from a distance when you hear somebody from a distance coming you know uh rolling the shoes on the ground pulling the shoes you just know that is david why because the shoes were too big for me Those you know what david david the best part about the, i love ending there because the best part about this is people are going to know that you're coming because of the way you walk now too only for a very different reason you're 24 years old you're the head of you're the program director is that it productions manager productions manager you have your own tv show which you were going to leave out i saw it and <laughs> it's wonderful he's in front of the camera he's behind the camera and and he is the best editor. <laughs> I mean, you do motion graphics, I do edit motion your, graphics. your touch for editing, and your camera skills are incredible. David, you're, the sky's the limit for you. And I hope, I hope, I hope that I get to be a part of your friend forever and get to watch your journey as you skyrocket up. You're just an amazing person. Mm, yes. Thank you. Thank you, Mom. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah. And I'm going to have to say goodbye, <laughs> but not for good. We'll talk later. But David, all right. Thank you, so Mom. I hope I gave you all the information. <laughs> you. Oh. Oh. Wait. 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 Before you go, um, if people want to, you know, connect with you in some way or check you out, or if some some director heard me say how great you are, because you really are, and they want to find you, how do they do that? Ah, uh, my email is uh, David. O'Neill at yahoo.com. Spell O'Neill. David is yeah. easy. Yeah, David and then O N I E double L at yahoo.com. Okay, and are you on Facebook? Yes, I'm on Facebook. Uh, you can check me out at David Kabogo Zamugisha. Nobody can spell that. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, um, yeah. I, will, <laughs> I won't even try to say it, but I will put it up on the on the radio link so that they can link over to your Facebook page. All right, okay? all right, no problem. Okay, well, thank you so much for being there. That was David from Uganda. We're very blessed to have him. Actually, I was blessed. I got to host him for a few days. That's how I managed to hear his story and get him to share it with everybody else. I wanted some way or some story that would help prove that success comes from, sometimes comes from, let it go, let it go, let it go. And don't you go saying that he didn't have a brain challenge and you've got your child with autism so it doesn't count. Number one, shame on you. 
grief and poverty and stress, they create definite cognitive challenges. And number two, I promise if you stay with me all the way to the end for stories from the road, I'll pull it all together and make it make sense and tell you how it applies to autism. Okay, 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 it's time for the great guest giveaway. And you better be ready because we have an alternative approach to healing person coming on here. So if you're into mainstream, let it go, let it go, let it go. Otherwise, you won't be able to listen and hear all the wonderful things that are about to be shared with you. My guest is Nancy Weaver. She, I love the way she said this to me. She said, she's loved working in whole person healthcare for more than 35 years. Don't you love that whole person healthcare? Um, and she said she's worked many cultures ranging from babies to great, great, great grandparents, including, check it out, a 102 year old. So Nancy has what's called, she's gonna to talk to you about what's called a scalar wave laser and it's from the Quantum Wave Company and I wanna hear all about it. So hi Nancy. Hi, Lynette, and I love your singing. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. I'm getting ready for Christmas carols or Hanukkah carols or whatever they are. <laughs> You're welcome. And my, my husband and I have uh, several friends who are bona fide animal communicators. And one is a woman who was told by the animals one time that they love to hear it when we people sing, even if we can't carry a note, because it opens <laughs> It's a, this is the truth, because it opens our human hearts more, and they love it when our hearts are open and happy. You be careful. You're going to get too interesting about something that isn't the product you want to talk about, and everybody's going to go, know. yeah, but I want to hear about this animal thing. Let's get on to the scalar wave laser. Tell me about that. Definitely. What's special about it? Well, what's special about it, again, it comes... The, what, what I love about it, because I was totally against technology for the longest time after having been in technology with Rife and radionics and hydrogen uh, peroxide therapy, of let's see, ozone blood therapy, all of it's great, but it was hard to use at home. And when I was introduced to this just a year ago, well, over a year ago, by a friend whose cat was getting ready to pass, the cat would lay on the floor. Animals teach me a lot. Children and animals I pay attention to because their hearts are listening and open and they don't go into their minds all the time like us grown-ups do. So the cat would lay on the floor and he'd lay on his back, even though he's a really old kitty with failing ki uh, kidneys, and he would put his belly up to the skater wave laser she had borrowed from a Reiki master friend. And he would want her to shine this skater wave laser on his belly and his chest. Okay, okay, okay. I'm going to interrupt you because I want people to be able to imagine what you're describing. So what does this, what is, is this like a big, humongous machine or? Thank you. It is a simple, somewhat rounded, slightly larger than a big TV remote control laser. Wow. And it okay. has soft or cold healing laser that does not cut or burn or drill. It has both red and infrared lasers and it has violet wavelengths as well. And what lasers do is like sunshine. When you put yourself or your plants out in the sun, the bodies go, oh, sunlight. I can use the photons of the sunlight, the energy particles of the sunlight, and they go into the body cells 
and your body literally starts to make new cells. Body loves light. It loves good nutrients, good water. Because you know how you get drab after you're in a room for a long, long time. You don't get out in the sun, but you go out and you perk up. Same okay. as your plants. So when you have laser photons coming in, the soft or cold healing lasers, the body just uses that, and the cells will literally use those energies to create new cells, to repair the cells that are presently alive, and to clean house. It does a lot of good that way. What okay, I love so about- now you've, you've got this laser in the cat, and, and it's about the size of a remote. Now I can picture it, so tell me how that would happen there then. Perfect. Well, my friend had um, borrowed it, and like I said, it's a handheld device. And he would, after he felt like he had gotten plenty on his little belly and his chest, he would roll over on his side and point his ribs towards her. And so she would put the laser light over his ribs. And it's a really pretty kind of a pink magenta color light. And then when he was satisfied with that, now this is an older 14 or 15-year-old cat who adopted them. And he's very emaciated, but yet he gets this smile on his face. And then after he was done on that side, he would roll over and have her do his other ribs. And he had her, I said to her, I said, you know, he's having you point right where his kidneys are. That's the wisdom you'll find in animals and oftentimes in the children as well. So what, I what loved, was the benefit then for this cat? He, what happened for He him? had a much easier sense of ease. His little bones didn't appear or feel as fragile. He became more supple, and he had a very good graduation and a much easier passing because mom and dad gave him lots of love all the way to the end, but the laser made a huge difference in his comfort. I have colleagues who do use this with hospice people and with um, people who are ill at home or sometimes in clinics as well. Well, how would this apply for something like autism? Because, you know, a large majority of the people that are um, listening to this show, they have autistic children or family members, and they're very worn out, by the way. Um, oh. So h- how would this be beneficial in a situation like that? Well, because I have friends, I have three friends who are part of the oldest autism chapter in the United States or in the world. That's the San Diego chapter. I have been very aware of what the stresses are at home for parents and the single parents uh, due to the many divorces. And why I love the scalar wave laser is because the scalar wave part is what is about our life energy field. Science calls our life energy field that creates our bodies within it. Our auras and our bodies are created within our own unique life energy field. And science calls that the scalar wave field or quantum field. And when you're working with the scalar wave resonance along with the lasers, the scalar wave actually goes in and erases the bad cell memory. You keep the good memory. It's innate. It's built in. It's built to last. But the traumatic memories, like when the child was born and perhaps they were given a vaccine or perhaps they had a a little other child punch them in the stomach at the age of three or some toxin came into their environment and affected their nervous system. I'm finding that a number of people in this country and others are using their scalar wave lasers to help erase that cell memory of that traumatic experience. It was either a trauma or an actual injury. Have you worked with anybody who's autistic yourself, or do you know anyone who has using the scalar waver? 
Taylor waiver. Yes. <laughs> the waiver. Yeah, that's, that's fun. <laughs> um, it, what I do, I have worked with some, a few autistic uh, people, youth and young adults as well. I know two colleagues especially who, actually three, who work intensively with autistic children and youth. And uh, one especially has found in using about 24 or 25 lasers in the last number of years, this is the one she finds brings the greatest effects. So I took extra classes from her to double check to see how it's working with autism. And, and what's the definition of effect here? So um, would they Good. expect to see the children calm? Would they expect, what, what would you expect to see? Well, what happens is when you have the body relax, when, when you're hungry, you're agitated. So when you have a body that its nervous system is shot because, one, it's got toxins and stressors impinging on it, and it's agitated, when you start bringing in the energies, like the laser photons, to help feed those cells, your body starts to relax. It's getting the energy it needs. And when you bring in the scalar wave resonance, all of a sudden you're starting to dissolve those knots or those painful memories and the painful scars in the body. Actual physical scars will start to dissolve. Emotional, mental, post-traumatic stress symptoms start to dissolve. So when parents, if they have a hyper, hyper busy child and they can't get them to settle down, but they finally go to sleep, for those extreme cases, a lot of times parents will keep it easy and just simply take their scalar wave laser, put it on a setting for unwinding the nervous system. You gently just put it a few inches above the child's body while they're sleeping, and you simply, in a sense, shower them with the light and the scalar wave resonance. And next morning they get up, and they're a little calmer, they're happier. Some can button their clothes for the first time. Others can write and are not as dyslexic. It's unique to the individual how they'll respond. Wow, Always. Well, that's very interesting. Okay, so you're on the great guest giveaway. We need a couple things. We need to know what you're going to give away and where your website is, um, how people can get a hold of you. Okay, well, they can go and look at the laser at, and more details and then contact me. If you'll go in the top address bar on their computer screen, the browser bar, and mm -hmm. they put in mm -hmm. www, mm -hmm. I love my laser dot com forward slash Nancy Weaver. So it's I love my laser, and laser is spelled L A S E R. Okay. Dot com forward slash Nancy, which is N A N C Y. Okay. And Weaver is W-E-A-V-E-R. Mm -hmm. And then they can call me at 760-439-5435. Okay. So it's 760-439-5435. And... I'll give you an email after. Uh, well, you know what? I'll actually giveaway. put this link. I'll actually put this link up as well. So, um, if they have this way of, of phoning you, and I'll I'll link your email address into the radio show. So yeah, you're you're good. You got it covered. Um, so if they if they like the look of it and they want whatever it is you're going to give, which we don't know what it is yet, mm -hmm. um, should they phone you, or do you want you prefer an email? Either is fine, depending on their need. Okay. And what I'd like to uh, offer is that I will work with an individual. 
for two complimentary for up to 45-minute sessions by phone. Wow. Because I'm also a health and energetic intuitive. Okay, 45-minute, so, two 45-minute sessions. What about a laser thing if anyone's close to you? Right, if anyone's in the Southern California area or they're visiting in the area, if they can contact me and set up a time where they can come and meet with me, I'd be glad to do a 45-minute complimentary session because once you have it on your body, the majority of people, what I love about this, Lynette, is that people, unlike other things I've worked with, I find about 95 to 98% of the people will notice something during that session or by the next morning. Another good thing to know is that this Skater Wave laser has five FDA approvals here in America, and it's also approved in Europe, Australia, and the strictest one is Canada Health. They're really strict. So with the five FDA approvals, you can also know that it's so safe that it's considered over-the-counter. People use it in many countries in their homes, and also doctors use it in hospitals, clinics, veterinarians' offices, chiropractors' offices. It is a full-range use kind of device, and when you have it in the family, you've got it for years, and everyone gets to use it. And it's a wonderful, wonderful way to open your life to better health benefits. Awesome. Okay, and that was Nancy Weaver with the Scalar Wave, the Waver Scalar. <laughs> oh my gosh! It is what it is. What it is. We are ready for stories from the road. I promised you that I was going to wrap this all up, and make it make sense, right? I'm going to tell you four quick stories. Three of them are my children. Chance. He's got a YouTube. If you want to look at it, it's Lynette Louise taking a chance on Chance. Um, There was a time in his upbringing when I knew he was ready to be more responsible and he wasn't willing to do it. And he was quite anxious and angry and angry and angry. (laughs) And so I... um, said, well, actually, that's not acceptable, and you're now old enough, and here is a jar of peanut butter, a loaf of bread, enough money for this hostel, and you've probably got about a a week worth of money that I'm handing you right now, so I would go get a job, and I drove away, and I'm looking in my rearview mirror at my son standing there with his mouth agape, holding a loaf of bread a jar of peanut butter, which I don't know why I chose to give him that since I was always also giving him money. Maybe it was a something tangible to hand. Um, it was it was very difficult, and I admit I didn't leave him a hundred percent alone. I called his sister who lived not that far away, and we set up how she would be supportive while I was the bad cop and she was the good cop, and he ended up getting through what he needed to get through and got into the National Guard and he's had a great life. And this was a moment that had to happen for him. I let it go. Took a chance. On chance. Another time, Rye, my son Rye, he went through uh, Tourette's and OCD and got also very angry, punching holes in walls and things like that. But he had settled down a lot. He was also retarded. Autism, fetal alcohol syndrome, they're adopted. It wasn't me that gave them fetal alcohol syndrome. And he reached a point where I thought that he could handle taking a Greyhound bus 
all the way across the country to meet me. I was in Massachusetts dropping his brother Chance off at a course, and um, he was in Texas, well, halfway across the country. And I called and I said, I miss you, and I'd like you to do the drive home with me so I can teach you how to drive. So get in, get on the bus. And my, you know, my daughter, my helper, puts him on the bus, and he's got some transfers to make, and I'm waiting for him to get to the other end. And I'm the whole time nervous. We've given him a phone and different things, but he's never done anything like this. He's completely on his own. And he doesn't get off the bus when he's supposed to standing there and I check the whole bus I go all the way inside I come out I go straight to the police station I'm crying my eyes out I'm giving them pictures they're sending pictures everywhere all the you know there's like ABBs out everywhere police are looking for my son and I'm waiting for the next bus and he gets off and I'm crying and hugging him and the police officer's all happy and proud and He's just looking like, what's the big deal? I just missed a connection and got on the next bus. And he learned how to handle travel from this. He actually has driven across the country a few times since then. And it's because I let it go. It had to happen. Cash, another son, fetal alcohol syndrome. Autistic-like mannerisms is what they called it back then. Global delay, retardation. He's a little boy in this, in this story. He's about eight years old. It's the middle of winter. He's got a newspaper route. He wants to deliver the newspapers. So he's delivering. And then he disappears for hours and hours and nobody can find him. And I'm driving around wondering where he is. By the time I find him, he's wet himself. He's frozen like an icicle, but he has delivered every single paper. I let it go. I let him try. Milo is a boy I worked with, and I work with, and he was on the radio actually with us. And um, at one point, I've talked about this before. At one point, I convinced his parents he has to have a chance to do things alone. So we we send him off to buy me an eclair, and he buys two eclairs and eats them both before coming back. But he did it. And the final one is Dar. Dar still lives with me. He's thirty years old. He was extremely damaged, has had a horrible life story. He's doing great, very happy guy, but he's a very low-functioning autistic man. Recently, I decided that he could stay alone. I was going to um, a lot, that he could stay alone consecutively day after day. So I was going to a course that were six days. We were coming home at night, but only for a few hours sleeping right back at it. It was a bit of a boot camp. And my son was alone for six days, except for a few hours every night. By the time that six days was up, he had begun to do things that can only be called miraculous. He was shaving without me standing there and telling him how. He was cleaning. He was cleaning himself. He practiced the piano. I came home one night, he grabs me by the hand, sits me down and gently plays some creation of his own, one note at a time, with love. But the very best of the stories was the day that I said to him as I left, oh, make sure that you turn this the stove off because this will boil over. And in my mind, I'm thinking, of course he can't do that. I'll turn it off. I'm just going to give him a chance while I go upstairs. But I forgot. 
I'm halfway to this course, which is like an hour away. And I realize, oh my gosh, I've left the stove on. I'm imagining that's boiling over. There's a, you know, there's smoke everywhere. It won't cause a fire probably, but it might put the gas, put the fire out and then the gas will be everywhere and he might die or the police might come and it'll all be terrible. And oh my gosh, and I'm phoning everybody. I'm trying to get the neighbor. I'm trying to get everybody I know. My grandson, I'm calling his friends. Finally, I find someone who will go over. It's an hour after I left the house. A friend of mine goes over, a long, a long ago friend actually, who was, just happened to be home, goes over to the house. My son opens the door and he says, I'm here because your mom says I have to turn the stove off. And my son grabs him by the arm, takes him to the stove and says, mine self, mine self, mine self. And he had turned the stove. So just remember, as you face the holidays and you think that your child is limited and that you know all of your child's limitations, remember that your child will be as limited as you believe him to be or her to be, especially if you don't give them room to try. Just kick your feet up and let it go, let it go, let it go. Please have a happy holiday. You deserve it. I'm Lynette Louise. This is a new spin on autism. Answers. And thank you for being here. Because if you weren't here listening, I'd just be talking to myself.